How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Arm Scholar Podcast. First and foremost, before we start the podcast, I just want to thank everybody who has been listening to the podcast, who's been supporting the podcast. You guys have shown me way more support than I could have ever thought. The response has been amazing. So first and foremost, I just want to thank everybody who's been listening on the audio platforms on Spotify and Apple, and also everybody who's been listening over on the second YouTube channel where the podcast is going to be hosted. So thank you guys for your support. If you're listening, maybe on the second YouTube channel, one of the best ways to support is please subscribe to that. Um, the goal with the second channel is to kind of build it up specifically for the podcast and maybe some other videos that I can't put over on the main channel just because the main channel is more legal based. But with the second channel, I want to do some maybe longer form content and then also put videos of when I go to various events, like when I do the Gundy's Awards or SHOT Show or other types of events, like when we went to the NRA annual meeting or the USCCA event. A lot of times there's filming and I, you know, I just wanted somewhere maybe I could put that type of content to kind of show you guys behind the scenes of other things that I do. So that's what the goal with the second channel. If you're listening over on the second YouTube channel, I would love for you guys to subscribe. And that really does actually signal to the algorithm that there is interest in that. And so it pushes it more so it can organically reach more people on its own. You know, on this podcast, I really wanted to do something a little bit different. And on the prior podcast, we've been talking a little bit more on some legal based things, which we're going to continue to do that on the podcast. But for this one specifically, I wanted to get a little bit more personal with you guys to bring you in to maybe understand a little bit more of who I am, because over on the main channel, I only get nine minutes to talk about whatever case, statute, you know, cultural thing that is happening. And I don't get to really bring you guys into maybe who I am, I, you know, how I ended up being where I'm at. You know, why am I passionate about the two way and this topic and maybe why did I start doing this? So I've talked about this before on the main channel. I did a video on it maybe maybe two or three years ago. It was a long time ago. I probably only had maybe maybe 40,000 subscribers at the time when I put out the video of like why I became the arm scholar or how I became the arm scholar. Um, and since then, I just really haven't talked about it. And I thought the podcast would be a good opportunity to um you know, bring you guys into how this all happened, how I ended up doing what I am now, how I ended up becoming, I guess, an attorney, a two-way attorney, how I got involved in this fight, how the YouTube started, and just kind of all that. And, you know, just also bring you guys in a little bit more so you know me a little bit more personally. So, I, you know, I really don't have a great place to start this. I don't really know, you know, where it all started. So I guess, you know, one of the main questions a lot of people ask is, you know, when you were a kid, when you were growing up, did you, you know, shoot firearms? Were you involved with firearms? Were you raised with firearms? And really, it's it's kind of hard to say, you know, firearms were present in the household. My dad was a correctional officer. My stepfather was also into firearms. But, you know, it wasn't really a big part of our everyday life. It wasn't a big part of what we did. You know, here or there, we would go to the range, but it was very very rare, maybe once every three years. You know, I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't grow up doing anything like that. So firearms were present in the household. I had a respect for firearms. My family wasn't anti-gun or anything like that. You know, with my dad being a correctional officer, of course, he would qualify every single year with his firearm. You know, sometimes they would have to use them, you know, during the course of his job. But it wasn't really something that was a big part of 
my household or my upbringing. Again, we would just kind of go every once in a while, shoot at the range, plink with some 22s, and, and that was pretty much it, um, which I think is a lot of people. Not everybody grows up heavily focused on firearms, shooting firearms every single day, which if you did, that's amazing. Uh, I kind of wish I did. Uh, I came to it probably a lot later than a lot of people. Um, so yeah, it just wasn't a huge part of my everyday life. I really didn't get into firearms until one specific event. Um, and I, again, I've talked about this before on the YouTube channel, on a video before, but ultimately what happened is, you know, I, I grew up, I ended up going to undergrad and my undergrad was the university of California, Santa Barbara. That's where I went. I got a scholarship. So I, you know, got to go for free. It was awesome. Um, I've always been a great student, you know, never really had issues with grades or anything. I had like one year where I kind of slack, you know, didn't do what I should have been done in my freshman year, but that course corrected for sure. So, you know, went to undergrad. I enjoyed my time at Santa Barbara, but what ended up happening was my senior year at Santa Barbara, there was a, an event that happened. There was a, I, I guess, how do I coin this without, you know, getting flagged or something? It was more of like a mass casualty event. I mean, you can look it up. I believe it was in 2014, UC Santa Barbara. Um, there was a shooter and, you know, it really did rock the community there. Um, I wasn't directly in contact with when the event happened. What ended up happening was I remember that night, me and a couple of my friends that I lived with at our apartment. I think that night we were getting ready to go out to go see a movie. Um, I want to say maybe it was like a Friday or Saturday night. And usually what happens at, at Santa Barbara, especially since it's, I guess, considered a party school, um, you know, every night people go out, they go do things. Um, and we were going to go to a movie and I want to say we were going to go watch like an X-Men movie or something. One of the new movies that came out, I don't know. Um, but we were getting ready to go and then we heard just, you know, a cop car go by, which wasn't rare again at, at UC Santa Barbara. It just wasn't rare at all because every single night someone would get blacked out drunk um, you would get hurt, you know, people would get hurt at parties or someone would get alcohol poisoning. And so you would hear sirens quite a bit on the weekend. So it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, you know, to hear a couple police cars and some, some ambulances and some fire trucks. But then there was more cop cars. And then there was more and more and more. And they just kept going. Just, it seemed like the entire state of California's police department just was going through the area which was definitely odd. And we really didn't know what was going on. We could see the police officers kind of driving by some of the streets going past our window. And we, you know, it was definitely odd. You know, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. It's a little bit out of the norm, but, you know, weren't really sure. We, um, so we decided to take off for the movies. And I remember we were sitting at the movie theater and, you know, everybody's on their phones and we were getting text messages from some friends about like, oh, there's a gang shooting, some sort of, you know, shootout from gang members, which made no sense because you're in a college town, Isla Vista and Goleta area. It's not really any gangs. It's just a bunch of school kids. Um, so that was weird, but that's what the initial reports we were hearing. Um, and I don't, I, I, I think we ended up just leaving because everybody was getting reports that something was going on and there was recommendations from people like, Hey, you should probably just hunker down and go home. So we ended up leaving the movie theater, which is probably smart. We left the movie theater. We went back to our apartment and just kind of hung out. And then we started getting 
text messages from friends like, no, there's a there's a shooter. Um, and that's what's going on. That's why there's so many police officers. So we and then it was interesting. We didn't find out from the school what was going on probably until maybe the next morning. They put out like some sort of press release or some sort of notice or emergency notice to the school. I don't remember getting any notification from the school at all. What ended up happening is it was more of just the network of people of friends who were reporting like, no, this is what's happening. There is some guy driving around in a BMW, like shooting people. Um, and then there were videos going around that this individual had done. And I'm not going to say his name cause he's a piece of garbage. Um, but there was videos that he had released online prior to the event and had sent around and those were getting, then getting sent around to all of us. So then we saw the videos and we're like, Oh, like, okay, that's what's going on. And then later that night, the news networks of course started reporting on it. And then they were reporting kind of what was going on. So then we knew, okay, this is, this is what's going on, which I had some friends in school there at Santa Barbara who were affected by it. They knew some of the individuals that were, um, you know, harmed because of the event. Um, and also it just was ever present in the community because like you, you bike past a lot of these areas that he went through and you could see the bolt holes in like the, the store that he shot and just some of these other areas that he crashed in. So you could, it was very ever present and, you know, the flowers and the, they did the vigils and all that stuff. So it was a very ever present in the community. It definitely rocked the community there. But I guess really what catapulted me kind of on this two-way trajectory was after that event happened, you know, I was not, I wouldn't say I was like pro-gun, anti-gun. I was just kind of agnostic, didn't really have a, a viewpoint on it. I was just very neutral on it because hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking on the topic, hadn't really spent a lot of time considering it, didn't have a, a position really at all. But after this event, what ended up happening is everybody had an opinion, you know, and then there were calls for more gun control from the community there. There was a lot of discussion from my friends there in the community or my, my really good friends that I went to school with who were, you know, then all of a sudden claiming to be anti-gun that we need to ban X, Y, and Z and we need to do X, Y, and Z pieces of legislation. You know, all these kids who really hadn't grappled with this conversation at all, all of a sudden had a strong viewpoint and I'm never, I'm not really like that. You know, I, I, I try to pride myself on if I'm going to have a, a, a position, I want to at least know that I put the time to try to educate myself on that topic. So I, that's what I tried to do instead of just, you know, adopting the common narrative that everybody else had adopted. I was like, okay, you know, I kind of grew up with firearms. Firearms were present in my home. Maybe I should do some research before I start just parroting everything that you know, the media is saying and that, you know, the professors are saying at the at the school in what all my friends are all of a sudden just adopting. Maybe I should come up with a different viewpoint. So I just tried to do some some research. And one of the first places I actually went to was YouTube. Um, I've, I've said this, you know, multiple not times now to various people in the community, but I went to YouTube and I started watching videos from people like Eric and Barry from Iraq veteran 8888, um, friends like Jared from guns and gadgets, um, Jonathan from tactical toolbox. Um, a lot of people, there was a lot of those, you know, Hickok 45, of course, 
um, nothing fancy. All those kind of OG YouTube guys were some of the first people I went to to try to educate myself a little bit more on firearms, the firearms community and world, just so I kind of understood at least what I was talking about. And as a lot of you know, I'm sure, once you kind of get into this world, especially if you if you like firearms, it's this kind of bug that you catch and then it's over from there. So that's kind of my first interaction with the firearms community and firearms in general and kind of the 2A advocacy side of it was really through YouTube. It was watching people like Eric and watching people like Nut and Fancy and Hickok and all of them. And really it's cool now because as I've been a little bit more established in the community and I've grown my own YouTube channel, I've got to kind of pretty much meet all the people in the industry. And I've got to, you know, spend time actually talking to a lot of these guys who initially got me into the farms community, like Eric from Iraq veteran, like Hickok. Um, at the recent shot show, I spent probably, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. And it's not the first time I talked to Hickok, but you know, I got to spend 30, 40 minutes talking to Hickok and just, you know, it's really cool now that he knows who I am. And it's one of those weird moments where life comes full circle and you just never ever could have expected stuff like that to happen, but it's been really cool. Um, but yeah, that was initially how I got into the farms community was through those guys and the content that they put out on YouTube. And, you know, it wasn't just YouTube. I went online and researched more about various gun control laws and also the laws that were introduced be in reaction to that event and kind of just formed my viewpoint on it. And, you know, it definitely wasn't a fully formed idea because, you know, I'm still a college student. I'm doing other things, but I definitely knew that I didn't have the same viewpoint that a lot of my friends did, you know, where they were just like, Oh, we need to ban all guns. Like that's the problem. Just ban them all. I'm like, um, you know, that doesn't really make sense because even then, you know, California had, the strictest gun laws out of any state. And it was like, that's not what's happening there. Um, that's not going to resolve. That would not have solved this specific, in, you know, incident. So, you know, from undergrad, you know, I finished undergrad. That was definitely something that shaped my senior year a little bit there at UC Santa Barbara. But from there I graduated and I always knew that I wanted to go to law school. That was kind of always and I know it's kind of strange, but, you know, as a kid, I was I had kind of thought that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do two things really is what I wanted to do. I either wanted to be an archaeologist or I wanted to be a lawyer. And the reason I wanted to be an archaeologist is because when I was growing up, I remember watching the PBS channel and they did like this Egypt documentary on there where they were digging in this pyramid. And I just was mesmerized by it. So I, for the longest time, I thought I wanted to be an archaeologist. Um which didn't end up happening. I did take a couple courses when I was an undergrad, which was, was cool. But I, you know, I, I was a history major is what I ended up doing. So it was a little bit in line with, with that. But at that point in undergrad, I, I knew I wanted to go to law school. So, you know, after I graduated from UC Santa Barbara, went about the traditional process and, you know, studying and, you know, took the LSAT and ended up going to law school at Penn State. So that's where I went to law school. And so I moved from California, Main, mainly the reason why I did that one was also scholarship. I got a scholarship to go, but I wanted to get out of California at that point. And I actually remember when I was looking at all the law schools I got into, I was looking at a variety of the states. And I remember one of my considerations also was like, what were the gun laws? I remember pulling up Wikipedia 
and looking at like they had raided all these states and their gun laws. And I remember kind of like looking over their gun laws and being, okay, well, this state is definitely better than California. So, you know, and that was one of the, I just remember that was one of the weird considerations I took into account when I actually picked my law school and Pennsylvania ended up being, of course, way better than California. It's changed quite a bit. Now you're seeing a lot of stuff happening in Pennsylvania and some of the uh, voting and politics is definitely changing in Pennsylvania. But, you know, four or five years ago when I went to law school, it was, it was a little bit different. Um, but yeah, so I just, it's strange to see how in quick turn of a time, how quick it was for me to go from kind of not really caring that much about firearms to being looking at, okay, I'm going to law school. What state would be potentially better for gun law so that I can buy more stuff and not have to live under all these restrictions that I have in California. So yeah, I ended up settling on Penn State, went to Penn State, me and my wife now, um, she was my girlfriend at the time, we moved across the country, went to the East Coast because we wanted to get out of California. And, you know, we spent, you know, the three years going through law school. Law school was definitely interesting. It's, it's not for the faint of heart, you know, it's not hard, but it's just, you know, you do have to treat it a little bit different. It's not like undergrad. Undergrad's super easy. As long as you go to your classes in undergrad, you're going to pass. You're going to get A's, no problem. With law school, you know, everybody was the A student. So you're definitely, there's a lot more competition. You're competing with everybody. There's only so many A's that given, get given out in any given class. They do the Socratic method, all that stuff. So it's just, it's a completely different style of school. But, you know, I enjoyed law school. At no point in law school did I think, that I would end up doing what I'm doing now, you know, working on constitutional law stuff, civil rights stuff, and being a, a two-way advocate. Never did I think that that was going to be the trajectory of my career. Really what I had thought was maybe I would take maybe a, a government job or I was going to move back home and work at a small town firm, which is ultimately initially what I did. But I guess kind of backing up a little bit, um, at law school, you know, I definitely was a little bit more involved with firearms. I had joined a a little group that they had there, you know, in law school and any school, they do a ton of like different groups and there was an two, eight advocates group. So I joined that and there was a couple guys that liked firearms there, especially because there's a lot of people coming from different States and not, there was very few people who came from California. So there was a lot more guys who grew up hunting and, and shooting and doing those types of things who were into firearms, you know, but it was Definitely still rare. I would say the politics as far as the law school I went to definitely leaned way more left, which, you know, that's a battle within itself when you are trying to go through education there. You definitely have to play the system and, and game the system and feed the professors a lot of what they want to hear. You know, you if you actually voice your true belief system and go against what theirs is, you know, they're just going to fail you because they don't, you know, they have all the power and they don't even want to hear your opposing viewpoint, even how, however valid it is, they don't want to hear it. So, you know, you play the game and there was very, you know, and I made great friends. I have amazing friends from law school who definitely lean way different politics than me. And I'm, I'm talking way different politics, like very left leaning, um, you know, I'll leave it at that. Their, their politics are just way, way different than mine, but you know, we are still friends. Um, we definitely have debates quite often about our viewpoints, especially now that we're out of law school and we have a little bit more freedom. And every time we get together, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, battling going on of, of viewpoints, but hasn't prevented me from still being friends because we 
all kind of went through the rigors of law school together and we bonded through that. And, and, you know, I think still at their heart, they are amazing people. They're, they're, they're great people. But I guess that's the tangent to say, you know, as far as the friends that I made in law school, there were very few guys or girls who guess who I guess, you know, you could classify as having conservative viewpoints and being pro gun. I only remember there was one guy really. I mean, there was some people in the group, but as far as like my friends, there was only one, I guess, friends, you could say. There's only one guy who found out that I really liked firearms and I would talk to, about firearms quite a bit with. And how he found out was, I think he was sitting behind me in class one day and he saw I had up on my laptop, I believe it was, I was looking at like Koyan Noir's channel. And he knew, of course, he was into firearms and he was into YouTube gun world. And so he knew who Coolion Noir was. And so then we started talking. And because of that, we bonded, which now is really cool because now I've met Coleon Noir and, and we talk and all that stuff. It's, you know, it's again, it's funny how things come full circle, full circle. But, you know, that was that's how he found out that, you know, I was into firearms in law school, that one guy. And we had talked and that was around the time I think Coleon Noir released his signature Legion um, with SIG. Um, and so I remember we, we talked about that together. Uh, we thought that was really cool. And I think that was also the time Cleon Noir was doing commentary with the NRA. So I remember, you know, sitting in my cubicle in the law library, you know, doing reading, do my reading or do my writing, whatever I had to do for my classes. And then also listening to Cleon Noir's show. And then also a lot of his YouTube channel stuff. Um, that was also the time when he was, Cleon was releasing a lot of those really cool, um, noir tv stuff on his youtube channel which i loved and like those competition stuff um that i watched you know religiously um so it's just you know during law school i was still very much into firearms during that time when i was in pennsylvania i purchased a lot of firearms for myself for the first time ammunition went to the range quite a bit i remember they had an outdoor range there in pencil like at the state college area um which was a lot different than you know, where I grew up in California, where we only had indoor ranges, they had this outdoor range. And I remember like going to the home local Home Depot and, and crafting this um, target stand that I watched YouTube on YouTube to like how to make a portable, you know, shooting stand so I can go to this outdoor range because I just had never been to an outdoor range. And, you know, that was the first time I got heavily invested into watching like gear reviews and figuring out what holsters. And that was also the first time I got my CCW um, was moving to state college and being in law school was the first time I got my CCW. And it was interesting because coming from California, you know, I, you know, a lot of people in California just can't get CCWs. Luckily in my area in California, it is a lot easier. Um, you still have to go through a crazy process, but I got my CCW there. I, I purchased, you know, some handguns there. And I remember going to the center County, uh, I think sheriff's office to get my CCW and you paid like a $20 fee, took a picture, they ran, did your fingerprinting. They ran your background check real quick, got, came back automatically. And they're like, okay, let's take your picture. We laminated his, my ID and then they're like, okay, you're good to go. So 20, you know, background check, $20 fingerprint picture. And, you know, was in and out maybe in like 40 minutes and got my CCW and can carry. So that was the first time I started carrying was when I was in law school. Um, so you can see like for, you know, for most people, I guess I came to the game a little bit late. But, you know, I, it doesn't matter. I, I, my position is I don't care what age people are at or what experience they're at. Like, it, you're, it's never too late to get them into firearms and the 2A advocacy side. And this was all building blocks to where I am now. So, 
you know, law school was an amazing time. But again, you know, I was definitely getting more and more into firearms, more and more into the YouTube firearm world and more and more into just the community and advocacy and, and learning more about it. But again, still never thought ever that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. And so graduated from law school, got married um, while I was in law school. Actually, it was the day right before I graduated, I got married. Then I graduated from law school. And then the day after I graduated from law school, we flew back to California. So it was kind of just like this fever dream, of just crazy stuff going on. Um, came back, studied for the bar. If you're an attorney or you're going through law school or you're, you're studying for the bar, you know what that's like. That was, uh, that's interesting. Um, you know, studied for the bar for three, four months, whatever it was, took the bar, passed it the first time. And all while I was doing this, I had lined up that I was going to work at, I had moved back to California and I had lined up that I was going to work with a local firm here in my hometown. Um, so that's what, that was kind of going to be the trajectory of my career is like, you know, I was going to work at a, a local firm here in my hometown. Most of the guys and girls that work at the firm, you know, they work at the local firm for their entire life. They put in their 40 year, 40 plus years of, you know, local law practice and then they retire. Didn't really have any dreams of grandeur or any idea really that I would be doing the things that I was, that I'm doing now. You know, it just was like, okay, I got to get a job. You know, I went to law school. I'm going to get this, this job at this firm. It pays well. Um, you know, private practice, going to provide for my family, kind of just do the traditional route of life. Uh, little did I know what God really did have in store for me. So, uh, you know, passed the bar, started working at the local law firm here in my hometown and, you know, I practiced, um, it was great. I did a lot of contract law stuff, uh, municipality. So we were city attorneys for multiple cities in our local area. So we did a lot of, um, you know, government stuff, uh, government regulation stuff, a lot of contract review stuff. Um, did a little bit of litigating here and there. Wasn't anything too crazy. And the interesting thing with all this is that, you know, I really didn't think that, you know, anything was, you know, I, I thought I was going to be on the traditional trajectory. And the real big thing that kind of started me on the path that I am now is the fact that my wife had a job. And at the time she was traveling. So it was a, this traveling job with a dental company. And so she would be gone for like two weeks at a time. And I always tell a lot of people that this, and, you know, and I've, I've talked about it before on the YouTube channel. So she would be gone for like two weeks at a time. And at that time I was, you know, practicing at the local firm and, you know, putting in my hours and then I would get home like on the weekends or at nights. And eventually I had to run through all the Netflix and all the YouTube that I could. And I kind of got bored and, you know, I had bounced around even the idea when I was in law school, like, Oh, because I had watched Colin Noir a lot. And, you know, I owe a lot to him because I, I don't know if I would have done the things that I do if he kind of hadn't paved the way. Um, and I remember him talking about like, you know, he was going through law school starting his YouTube channel. So when I was in law school, I thought like, Oh, maybe I'll do a YouTube channel. Like, you know, I want to be kind of like cool and noir. Like he's awesome. Like maybe I could do something like that, but never did. Then, you know, I'm practicing and my wife's gone and I'm kind of bored and had watched all the things that I could watch. And I was just like, you know, maybe I'll do a YouTube channel. Um, but you know, again, didn't do it initially. So she was still traveling and it wasn't until I watched a video from Jonathan from tactical toolbox he did a video series on like how to be a gun tuber and he kind of walked through like the logistics of things. And 
for me being a very analytical person and being a nerd for whatever reason, it struck a chord with me because it kind of just outlined like all the nerd side of things, like all the back end stuff, the process. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. Like, it's very clear. Like he outlined it very well. Like how to, and if you want to be a gun tuber or you you're thinking about doing YouTube, I, I mean, I would recommend you watch Jonathan's videos. It was very well done of like the process of how to do it and the monetization of stuff and like all that. Um, I thought he did a very good job and that's what springboarded me into doing. So I remember my wife was like gone in like Idaho or whatever. I remember texting her like, Hey, where's the, where's the camera that we have? And we had this little, um, Canon camera and I want to see it was like a T five and didn't even have a flip out screen. So I couldn't even see myself. Um, which if you've ever done any like video, you know, like how horrible that is that you can't even like see yourself and frame yourself and, and figure out like what your framing is. I would have to like, uh, I remember at one point I was able to get an HDMI linked from the camera to my laptop to try to figure. And if you go back, please don't do it. But if you had ever seen like the first videos ever done, you know, that's kind of the setup I was working on. And I had set up in my apartment kitchen there at the time, which is horrible. The acoustics, the framing, the lighting, everything was horrible, but it's all a process, you know, and I would, you know, but that's what got me started. And, you know, when I first started the YouTube channel, I didn't think that I would even be doing like two a news or, or legal commentary or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I'm an, an attorney, but you know, I wanted to be kind of like the guys that I liked watching on YouTube. I wanted to be like the Jonathan from tactical toolbox or the John Lovell from War Poets, Poet Society, you know, I wanted to be John from Tactical Toolbox. I wanted to be the gun reviewer guy. I wanted, to, you know, the town size, you know, I wanted to be those guys. You know, I want to be the gun review guy. Um, again, got to meet all these guys and they're all awesome. They're all amazing people. There's very, very rare to run into one of these individuals in real life. Um, and they're bad people. They're usually they're all amazing people. Um, always very friendly um, and the community is very small. So we're all usually very good friends. Um, you know, here and there, there can be invited, but anyways, um, you know, met these guys, they're amazing. And, you know, I wanted to, uh, at least as far, because I had watched their stuff. I thought I wanted to be a, a gear review guy. I think the very first video I ever put up was like a comparison of like California CCW process to Pennsylvania's, um, again, horrible videos. But during this time, also when I was making YouTube videos, it was, it was an interesting time because California was coming off of like its ammunition restriction, the stuff, the roadie cases, um, it had just come off of the, uh, Duncan V. Bonta freedom week time period. Um, so there was a lot going in California and I was like, okay, like maybe I could put out some videos that help some people in California. So I started doing that and, you know, and again, never would have thought that the channel would take off you know, the way that it has. Um, and really that's a big testament to you all. You know, I don't get to do what I do now if it wasn't for you all and seeing value in what I'm doing and supporting what I'm doing, supporting also what I'm doing here over on the podcast. It's really all because of you guys. And, um, I'm very blessed. I thank God every day for the position he's put me in and the things that I get to do. But yeah, it just kind of was, it's interesting how, you know, that one event in undergrad, and all the little steps over time kind of built up to me being interested into firearms heavily and, you know, educating myself on firearms and laws and things and then being in a position where I had some time and interested in maybe making a YouTube channel and then saying, okay, you know, maybe I could do 
similar things for people that other gun tubers like Eric and Jonathan and nothing fancy and Hickok and all these guys did for me and getting me interested in firearms. But mine was maybe a little bit different because, you know, there was a few guys on YouTube at the time who did, you know, two way new stuff. Really, it was like Jared from Guns and Gadgets. Then you had Will from the um, Copper Jacket TV now. And, you know, that was really all I was aware of. You had Coleon Noir, but he was, he's kind of at a higher scale. It's not, he does two-way new stuff, but he does a lot of other things as well. Um, but I guess like two, two-way specific guys at the time was really just, you know, Jared and, and Will. And Will had just left California. So like he wasn't making as many like California specific videos. So, you know, I was, I thought, okay, maybe I could put out some education videos and, also, I wanted to be like, okay, maybe I can make some gear review videos. But, you know, again, nobody wants to watch me do gear review videos. You know, that's not really the value I add to people, which I understand. There are guys out there that I know that I have friends who put, could put out way better gear review videos than I could ever do. Um, it's just you're always it's you're always second guessing what value you really bring to people, especially when you first start a channel. And when I started my channel, also the interesting thing with like the name of the channel, the Arm Scholar. You, you, it's funny, you, you make these names not really thinking like what, you know, it will, anything will ever come of it. So when I picked the name Arm Scholar, it was really a play off of John Lovell's Warrior Poet Society because I thought like I was really into watching the Warrior Poet Society at the time. And you also probably all see me quite often now. I wear John's shirts and hats and stuff. And really because that's a testament of like his channel was again a major influence on me doing my channel and the name of the channel and the kind of the goal that I have with the channel. And, you know, it was a play cause he was, he identifies his community as like warrior poets and he, de he identifies as a warrior poet. And I just kind of thought, okay, like what are like maybe two words that, you know, describe who I am. And I was like, okay, well I'm an attorney, but I didn't want to put like attorney or lawyer. Cause I was like, uh, it's kind of weird. I don't like putting like, I don't want people only to watch myself because I'm a, an attorney or a lawyer. I was like, okay, maybe like a scholar. And I was like, okay, we'll do scholar. And, you know, I like guns. I'm, I shoot. Well, okay, I'm armed. So let's just call it the armed scholar. And, you know, didn't really think anything of it. Never thought the channel would end up being anywhere near what it was. In fact, I almost quit that first December. I think I started the channel July of 2019. Put out a few videos. Videos that did well. And I remember, I don't think I released a single video that December because I pretty much had thought, you know, work got crazy. Um, I was super busy at work and I was like, okay, I don't really need to be messing with this YouTube thing. So I put it to the wayside all of December. And I remember just also seeing like comments trickle in like, hey, you can do more, more videos. You know, I want to watch more of your videos. And so when the new years rolled around for 2020, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll start the channel again. And so I started the channel again, the my, one of my goals was like, okay, maybe I'll get this YouTube thing actually a try for 2020. And then the channel really took off in 2020. So, you know, and then a lot of other stuff happened in 2020. You know, you had the whole lockdowns and all that craziness. And I had a lot of family stuff that also happened in my life in 2020. But it was really cool to see, like, through all that, the YouTube channel continued to grow. And it, it's just, you know, it's been an amazing blessing. And that kind of just it's funny, you know, I really didn't, I was very self-conscious about the channel and I, you know, really didn't tell a whole lot of my family members about it. I didn't tell my in-laws for a very long time. My wife knew about it. 
my dad who's passed now was one of the first people who knew about it. Cause I had told him like, Hey, I'm, I think I'm going to try this YouTube thing. And he's like, okay, well, you know, have fun. Um, but didn't really tell my in-laws, didn't really tell my brothers, sisters, really anybody. And I didn't tell them for a long time. I think my sister didn't even find out until I maybe had like 70,000 subscribers. So at that point you're pretty well established as far as a YouTube channel, you know, after I had been doing it consistently for, you know, half of you know 2020 or whatever it was, you know, I had 70,000 subscribers. I remember, you know, one day we we're at a party and she, I was walking to her car and she's like, when are you going to tell me that you had a YouTube channel? And I was like, you know, also like the, my stomach dropped because, you know, someone found out my secret, you know, she's also, she's very supportive of what I do now. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where you have, you don't know how people are going because I didn't even really know what to think about the YouTube channel. I didn't really know how to, I still don't know really how to explain to people what it is I do sometimes on YouTube. Um, so it just, it's interesting, like how you, you can hide those types of things. And yeah, I mean, I also didn't even tell my work, which is probably not the smartest idea. I didn't really tell the local firm that I was working at that, Hey, I'm doing this thing on the side, this YouTube channel where I'm talking about gun laws and legislation and stuff like that. And that had continued to grow in size. Um, <clears throat> and I, again, I was kind of and then it grew to a point where it was like, okay, I haven't told them and this is getting kind of big. And then people in my life that, you know, were maybe kind of outside of my immediate circle were finding out about it because, you know, it's popping up on their feeds and stuff. And I had always kind of had this nagging thought in my mind, like one of these days, like one of the partners in my firm is, you know, maybe they're going to find out about it. Someone's going to, you know, mention it. Someone's going to call the firm, something like that. And I want to say maybe, yeah, I was like probably around that same time, maybe like 70, 80,000 subscribers came to work that day. It was in my office working away. And my door like flies open and one of the partners walks in and he's like, Hey man, when are you going to tell me that you doing a YouTube channel? And you know, i he, was, he makes fun of me now, you know, we're still good friends, although I don't work with them anymore, but you know, he says like, you're pale white. And I was like, Oh yeah, but they were super supportive of it. Um, they thought it was really cool. We were trying to figure out a way maybe to, uh, blend it in with what I was doing there at the firm and the YouTube channel. So the, he was very supportive of it. Um, they're still very supportive of it. I'm still, you know, friendly with that firm. Um, but around this, that time too, cause the channel was continuing to grow and, you know, I was reaching like the 100,000 subscriber mark. I was contacted by some local orgs, one of them being Firearms Palsy Coalition. And so many of you know, what ended up happening is, you know, I ended up leaving my local firm and getting to go work with Firearms Palsy Coalition as one of their in-house counsel to work on a lot of these cases, you know, that these two-way battles, because FBC is one of the main, you know, organizations that litigates a lot of these, these cases, which was also a godsend and you know i had never imagined that i would have an opportunity like that and it was one of those really interesting um life decisions i had to make where i had to leave the comfort of the traditional which i thought was going to kind of be my life of working at a small town firm for 30 plus years and retiring and just kind of being a local guy and a local name or you know maybe focusing on the YouTube channel, focusing on the two-way side and trying to make a larger impact on the world. Um, 
you know, and that's a kind of a grandiose statement. Uh, but that was kind of the, the feeling I had at the moment. It was kind of the dilemma I had. And ultimately, I decided, yes, to leave the local firm. And, you know, like I said, we left on very good. I left on very good terms. Um, I'm still friendly with them. We still do lunches every once in a while. So it was not it was not anything negative at the time. And it's never been anything negative. I think they understand the opportunity I had was something that, you know, they really couldn't offer me at a small town firm or a hometown firm. Uh, not that they're small, just like, you know, it's a local firm in the type of thing that I was moving towards was just something that they don't do. So yeah, joined FBC, um, worked with FBC for a year plus and the channel continued to take off, take off, take off. And eventually, you know, I had to part ways with FBC and can't really speak on, you know, the whys or anything like that. Um, but ended up having to leave, deciding to leave FBC and, um, now just, you know, continue to do YouTube channel, doing my own private thing as far as practice and consulting and, and things like that. Um, and just, it's been, it's been a very interesting ride. It's been, I'm very blessed in getting to do the things that I, I do now. And again, never would I have thought that this would end up being what it is, um, with the YouTube channel. And I feel very blessed to have viewers like you guys, supporters like you guys who, you know, have also given me, cause I feel like it's a direct result of you guys giving me these opportunities to speak for you as far as litigation or videos or when I talk to representatives or when I, you know, do oppositions to like statutes and stuff. And so I feel like a lot of times I get to speak for you guys, the viewers, and sometimes be your guys's voice, which I, I feel very humbled to do quite a bit. I mean, it's, it's, I feel very honored to get to do that. Um, and I feel very blessed and honored to get to do YouTube still and have a lot of the amazing opportunities that I've, you know, get to have now because of YouTube, like going to various events, like with the like Gundy's awards that's coming up, um, winning the award last year for top two way voices. I'm not sure if I'm going to win this year, but you know, for you guys to vote and have me win the top two way voices award over a lot of my good friends now and guys that who've been doing it and that I grew up watching or didn't grow up, but kind of grew my channel up on watching like Jared, who's a good friend or Coleon Noir and a lot of these other people. Um, it's really cool that you guys would vote for me for awards like that. And it's also just cool getting to do other things like, you know, I think in, what was it? 2021, we did the route 66 event where thousands of you guys came out and I got to meet a lot of you, the viewers and people wanting to take photos with me, which is still very weird because I'm, I'm an absolute nobody. And you know, it's, it's strange that anyone would want to take a photo with me and people wanted me to like sign their magazines or hats. And, you know, I feel, again, I feel very blessed by that type of stuff because you know, I'm, I'm an absolute nobody. Um, you know, but stuff like that's cool. The Route 66 event, maybe we'll do end up doing that again or a different type of event. Um, going to SHOT Show this year, meeting a ton of you or the USCCA Expo, getting to meet a ton of you or going to a variety of ranges and, you know, running into people. You know, anytime now I walk into a gun store, you know, I get stopped by somebody who knows me from the channel and we take photos or whatever. It's just, it's very surreal. Sometimes I, I wonder if I'm just going to wake up from a, a dream and still be in law school with a laptop open listening to like Coleon Noir's video. That's just like on the playlist playing, um, which actually we might be, I guess a side note, there might be something really cool coming here soon. So stay tuned for that as far as a collaboration, but yeah, I, just, I feel very blessed and that's just, you know, I just wanted to let you guys, you know, peel back the onion a little bit or, you know, un, you know, pull back the curtain and let you guys see a little bit more of, you know, where I came from, where my journey has been, 
from kind of being neutral about firearms, not really having any viewpoint on it, all the way now to like what I do on the YouTube channel, the opportunities I've had, and just kind of how I've been very blessed along the road. So um, this was a little bit more of a personal podcast. I don't know if you guys will like this type of thing, but I thought, you know, I had done that video a while back on the channel and it was when I really didn't have that many subscribers. So a lot of people don't know my story. And again, I heard that little thing that we did at the CRPA meeting, which I thought was really cool to kind of just tell people how you got into firearms and how you ended up where you're at. And so I thought I would do that here with the podcast because, um, you know, maybe I thought maybe someone would, would like that. And, you know, whereas I guess as far as where this journey is going from here, um, I have no idea who knows. Um, one of my goals for this year is to, you know, maybe reach out a little bit more beyond YouTube, reach out a little bit more beyond just the farms community and start having some larger, larger discussions with, um, other communities who maybe talk sometimes about gun rights or firearms, but you know, aren't, aren't heavily focused on firearms or, or gun rights or two way advocacy. Cause that's a lot of what I do on YouTube, but there's a larger audience out there as far as like politics or news who maybe want to have these discussions. So one of my goals is maybe to do some more collaborations with other channels maybe get on some other podcasts that aren't, you know, two way focused or firearms focused and have the discussion with them. So that's kind of one of the goals for this year. Um, and as far as what else the, you know, the Lord, I guess has on store for me, I have no idea. You know, I've been very blessed along the road so far. So my, my faith and trust is in him that, you know, this will continue to grow and, um, good things will happen. Um, you know, so that's really it. That's really all I have for this podcast. You know, like I said, it was going to be a little bit more of a personal discussion. Maybe let you guys know a little bit more about me, a little bit more about my history, personality, and I guess how I ended up here or as the armed scholar and how the armed scholar channel kind of came about how it is. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, you know, probably the next podcast will move back to a more legal focused discussion, uh, here and there we'll sprinkle in maybe some guest, uh, discussions and more discussions like this as well that are a little bit more personal, but I thought that, you know, this is something that was sticking to my mind all, all week that, Hey, maybe I should do the podcast on this. So hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any specific ideas as far as what you would want to hear for a podcast or a topic, uh, let me know down in the comment section, or if you're over listening on Spotify or Apple podcast, you can leave a review the reviews really help over on the audio platforms to get traction, to reach more people over there. If you leave the reviews and also if you leave a actual like text review, you can let me know down there, maybe what topics you want me to cover on the podcast. And I can look at those as well over on the audio format. So yeah, thank you guys for your support. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, let me know maybe what other topics you guys want. And as always, thank you all for listening and never forget this nation was built farm scholars and this nation will be maintained farm scholars.